listeners, welcome to episode 144 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your host, the titular Stace, and joining me in the parlour this month is a returning champion, who I actually don't think was on very long ago, but um, he's a good egg and we like to chat, so he's back. It's Ryan Parrish. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me back. It has been a while, because I'm sure it was last year, but it doesn't feel like last year, I don't think. I think it's because these episodes are monthly that to me yeah. it's probably only been like about six episodes ago or something. <laughs> but actually that was like, yeah, the start of the year. But um, anyway, welcome back. Thank it's you. Not, it's nice to have you. I am really tired today. I'm just putting this out there as a as a, a preface for the podcast. I'm really tired today because uh, it might have been somebody's birthday recently, i.e. mine. And, uh, and one of us might have stayed out later than she usually does i don't know what I, I don't know if it's because of lockdown or what or if it's just that i'm getting older i like to think that i'm not old i'm only 38 but i stayed out till midnight on saturday and i still haven't recovered and it's now wednesday <laughs> now i i like to blame this on lockdown i like to say oh it's because i got out of the habit of going out and doing things and talking to people and socializing and my social battery and blah 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 but uh, what actually happened was I just like had a bad night's sleep that night and then I got rudely awakened by the dustman on Monday, part life, and uh, <laughs> and generally just haven't slept very well this week. I think two foxes either had a fight or a fuck right outside my window at like two this Probably morning. Both. It was really scary. I thought someone was getting murdered at first uh, and then one of them sort of growled and I was like, oh, no, it's an animal that is. <laughs> Um, you never know actually with people that is true that is very true and we do live on a weirdly rowdy street considering there's like not that many like young folks on it there's it's almost constantly people having arguments and slamming doors but i am quite glad that the lady who used to practice opera singing at inopportune times in the evening has left the street now because she was hard to live with but hey this isn't let's all bitch about Stacey's neighborhood pop culture parlor hour times <laughs> we have a whatsapp group which is probably the worst possible thing and the best possible thing in the world oh my god i would hate that it's great oh. knowing what's going on and like stuff going free and like everybody swaps stuff around mm. but the amount of bitching that goes on in that group <laughs> See, I won't even stay. I haven't even stayed in my family WhatsApp group because they did my editing. So the idea of being in a WhatsApp group with a bunch of strangers is just like, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. All I want to know is which one of you has got my parcel when the bloke sticks the thing through the door and says, oh, it's with your neighbour, but doesn't put a number or a name or puts a name. And I don't know who it is because I don't talk to anyone in the street because I'm very antisocial. <laughs> I was talking about this a few weeks ago with a couple of friends of how which is the shittest delivery service. I think it's mm. a tie between every and Yodel. Well, see, now, Yodel, I mean, this is what a weird subject this is to start a podcast about, ostensibly about pop culture with, but I used to really hate Yodel, but now I don't know if they've like had a crackdown or something. Now they are the ones that they have to take a photograph of you literally holding the thing before they can yeah. leave, which is great because I have had things like on top of my bay window before and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you re- I remember reading a story on Twitter once that really made me laugh, which is where somebody had said that they'd got a thing through the door that was like, oh, we threw it through your bathroom window because they've got like a downstairs yeah. bathroom and the window was open but the package had ended up in the toilet um <laughs> which i just thought was really funny but I, like obviously if that had happened to me it wouldn't have been funny i'd have been livid um yeah. 
but I the one that I find funny now is the the amount of security protocols you have to go through to get like a delivery or an Uber Eats for lunch. There's like a code, and then they have to take a picture, and then also like you have to check food. Then and then I'm like, oh my god, I ju- just give me my burger and leave me alone. I don't, I didn't want. There's a reason I didn't go outside to buy food is because I didn't want to have to deal with a transaction. It's like that old Mitch Hedberg joke where he goes to buy a donut and they ask if he wants a receipt. And he's like, why are you bringing ink and paper into this? It's a donut. But anyway, uh, <laughs> really gone. Just, Have you been to the cinema recently, Stacey? I've been to the cinema so much. Many of the times were to see Mutant Mayhem. But I've done a whole episode about that, so I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to. You're going to call podcast and a half show? Go and listen now. Yeah, go and have a look. Look, look at you. Look <laughs> at you, Mr. Pope. Now, I did a double the other week because, uh, oh, God, we had a heat wave, right? And I have said on this podcast before, I'm a summer curmudgeon. I am not made for summer. And uh, and people say to me, it's because you're fat, Stace. And I'm like, no, even when I was skinny, I only have to be in hot weather for like two and a half minutes. And I've got a sweat tash and my eyebrows are drizzling everywhere. And like, I wouldn't, so like when I, d- I dyed my hair and it didn't quite take, I got really sweaty and that started drizzling down my face. And I was like, oh my God, this is just a look a disaster. People are going to think I'm actually melting. So we decided to go to the cinema and do a double to take advantage of their air just staying there all day <laughs> so first we saw blue beetle which was fine <laughs> it is a very solid c plus seven out of ten movie it's what it's one of those films that it's enjoyable enough but it's yeah. very superhero paint by numbers like yeah. you could guess practically every beat of the film from the second you started watching it it was very what if standard superhero origin story with Latino flavour sprinkled over the top of it. Yeah, and I'm always a bit worried about those sorts of things because I just wonder how stereotypical that is because I wouldn't know because I'm not yeah. <laughs> I'm not Latino. So I don't know if that's actually really good representation or whether it's very sort of like, yeah, stereotypical, I don't know, Latino sitcom type family thing. But, I mean, it's, it's one of those films where it was completely inoffensive. Like... Yeah. If it was on the TV and I'd got nothing better to do, I'd probably watch it again. But yeah. I wouldn't go out of my way to make an effort, maybe. <laughs> I think we timed, We said it was Channel 5 Sunday afternoon fodder. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. You don't really care. You'll put it on for background. It's it's an enjoyable two hours out of your life. You're not going <laughs> to regret not watching it. Mm. There's probably better films you can watch. any effort to watch it yeah it's one of those films that i feel like i'm going to end up watching in the christmas perineum you know that little between christmas yeah christmas and new year when like you haven't really got the energy because you've done all the christmas stuff you've seen all the family you've done all the social i like you know you've done all the cooking done all that sort of so you got gearing yourself up for whatever you're doing for new year so you're just like you know eating packets of stuffing with gravy that are left over from the Christmas dinner and, you know, you've just got the telly on for noise and maybe yeah. you're doing a jigsaw puzzle because somebody bought you on for Christmas and uh, and you've taken over the kitchen table and yeah. uh, and it's just on and it's there and it's fine. <laughs> it was, um, it was, the was, a, was fine. The suit looked fine. The, the fine. <laughs> the guy, I've forgotten the name of the, of the, so Susan Sarandon played Victoria Cord and she had a yeah. guy who I want to say was called, like Carapax? Yeah, pretty much. Ugh. He played Omak, which is kind of a shit villain to pull out of the DC universe. Well, 
I've got to say, I was a bit put off by the design of OMAC because he looked like a Transformer to me. Um, he looked like Maximilian from Black Hole, if you've ever seen it, which is one of my favourite movies. He looks like Maximilian the Robot. <laughs> okay. I'll find a picture of Maximilian the Robot because it was the laziest bit of design ever. It was, yeah, it was just stick some shit on this bloke. Yeah, it just... Yeah, it looked very sort of uh, like one of the one of the things I said to Rich was like the the CGI was like way better, especially coming off the back of the Flash, where it was very clear that nearly all of their budget for CGI went on having two Ezra Millers, which just seems like a mistake in this day and age. And then everything else looked like actual like PS1 trash garbage. So like this, this was like a thousand percent a step up from that. But it did remind me of the first like Bay Transformers movie in the sense that a lot of the action is hidden because they clearly didn't have the budget for it. So there's a lot of like, uh oh, a wall's in the way. Uh oh, we're fighting in the midst of uh, trees. Uh oh, we're in a city. So you can't quite see exactly what's happening ever lots of explosions and some debris on you yeah yeah. very conscious why they made omac red and him blue was to kind of like when he Mm. had the fight scene and it was just a mess of them fighting each other he was like well the red blobs hitting the blue blob so that's how it's going (laughs) those those are your visual clues because to be fair when i was watching the transformers movies one of the big problems that i had was if it wasn't bumblebee i.e yellow or optimus prime i.e blue and red i didn't know which robot it was half the time (laughs) i got robot blindness (laughs) Um, when i was growing up g1 transformers one of my favorites so i've still never forgiven michael bay for the absolute cack terrible designs of those movies it's it, it's such a weird decision because like i think it'd be very easy to modernize and sort of you know realisticize i'm saying that with yeah. <laughs> inverted commas because obviously <laughs> it's not a real thing but i don't think it would be difficult to do that to the gen one designs i think they're actually pretty rad yeah. um, i mean look at robos and optimus prime that works nicely they're just in the grim um grimlock one which I yeah. really, and is far too expensive for normal <laughs> people I keep looking at it, I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I need to stop looking at uh, sites that sell sexy sexy nerd merch because because I could if – I, if I reckon if I won the lottery, I would probably need to have a job again in about three years' time because I'd have spent all my millions on toys and shit. I'd be like – <laughs> And shelves to put the toys yeah. and shit on. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like a techie crap version of the collector from the Marvel Marvel <laughs> of the Galaxy. Just here's my wall of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean like, you, can, you can you can see mine. You can see mine behind <laughs> me. Here's my wall of shit. Yeah, no blue beetle. Uh yeah, I, I like I really like oh flip, what's his name? The kid from hey, Cobra really Kai. Yeah. Is it Holoman something? Holo Ma oh Maridwenya? Marit does that sound right? Oh, yeah. Let's go with that. Um, yeah, I really probably. like him. I think he's really sweet. He's really, he's a good actor. And he carries the film really well. Because I think that was, that's one of the issues that I had is that um, I was always going to struggle with this film because, because I love Ted Cord. Yeah. <laughs> I'm legitimately still cross that Ted Cord is the only comic death that's ever stayed fucking dead. Uh, <laughs> well, did you stay for the mid credit scene? I know, absolute spoilers. I did. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we I, I spoil pretty much everything that ever happens anyway on the parlour. So, like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a spoiler warning up top. But I did stay for the mid credits, and I am a little bit worried about who might play Ted Cord in the future. <laughs> well, I think yeah. everyone. I think the 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 
guess for many people is the other famous Ted that he's playing at the moment, Ted Lasso. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What's his face? Can I remember his name? Uh, Jason Steakers. So that's yes. the rumour. That was the voice of Ted Cord. Okay. That, um, I find him very hit and miss. <laughs> I really liked him with the Millers. I found him hilarious in that. I've not seen that. Was it him that was in Colossal? Because that's really fucking good. Not 100% sure. For some reason, and I don't know why, because they're not even remotely the same, but I always get him confused with Ed Helms. Like yes. the two of them are interchangeable. Both of those are Ed Millers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was in Colossal and was really good in it. <laughs> But, uh, mm, okay, well, that's, mm, hmm. <laughs> yeah, so if they're going to do that, I mean, they were very careful. They did the old couple of DC references, saying Batman's a fascist was a great way of adding a line in there. Yeah, but, I thought that was quite fun. But they kept him completely out of the whole Snyderverse clusterfuck situation at the moment. Well, they sort of have to, and I don't know whether they shot themselves in the foot with this business, because we all know that James Gunn's going to come in and fart with everything anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... I. But nobody gives a crap about Aquaman 2. Oh, mate, yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten that was even a thing until the other day. Rich was, like, flicking... He was on one of his YouTube channels that shows, like, movie trailers and stuff, because he was trying to find one specifically to show me. And there was a teaser trailer there, and we were both like, oh, shit, yeah, that's a thing that exists, isn't it? <laughs> the only thing I've seen on it, trending about it, which is quite worrying, really, is there's a, there's a baby gets killed, in apparently, in it. And everybody's more interested in the baby being killed than brilliant than the actual content of the show. I will be fully honest. I can't remember a fucking thing about Aquaman. I know I've seen it, and I know I didn't hate it, yeah. but I've yeah. almost entirely forgotten. Aside yeah, from Jason Momoa's glorious chest, I think I've yeah. forgotten everything about it. Yeah, it was purely two hours of white noise. <laughs> That is one thing I will say about Blue Beetle as well. And I'll say it about a lot of like modern superhero stuff is like not every superhero film needs to be over two hours long. Yeah. It, re- it really doesn't. <laughs> a good half an hour out of Blue Beetle and they would have lost mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And it felt very much, it reminded me of Iron Man 2008. So you had the whole bit with like the whole body horror bit with the Beetle yeah. at the bottom. And then integrate it. And then it turned into basically that Iron Man scene of, oh, I'm going to try it on as a suit now. I'm going to go and do a flight check and all that. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, but I don't know quite know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It felt very yeah. much like that. And it, then it was a kind of like, oh, settle in, become your own thing. I mean, but out of the recent DC Sable, I'd say it's probably one of the better things since maybe the Suicide Squad. Yeah, DC's just been such a mixed bag for me. Like, I'm not I'm not willing to just write them off like so many other people seem to, because I, I really enjoyed, like, The Suicide Squad. I enjoyed Birds of Prey. There's There's been quite a few that I've, that I've really liked, but, like, oh, my God, when they create a stinker, it ain't half shit, in it? <laughs> like, well, they really go the whole hog in shit when they... <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the first Shazam movie, and the second one was just... Garbage. Oh, mate. So I really liked the first Shazam. And then the second one, I was like, I really wanted to like it because I liked the first one so much. But my opinion of Zach Levi was coloured slightly by his yes. online presence during the past couple of years. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> can't get uh, this debate again after the last time. <laughs> no, no, I can't. But let's just say, yeah. let's just say he d- did not hold himself well online. No. <laughs> In regards to a few different topics, 
That's a very mild way of saying it, put it that way. Well, I'm trying really hard not to say anything that could potentially be slanderous. So all I'm implying at the moment is that he existed online and I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> Which... it's a lot of people are in the same position. But um, yeah, to return to Blue Beetle, yeah. it's, it's a solid C. Yeah, I think it's worth going to see, like, if you can get it on the cheap or if you're going for, like, a, if you've got a Cineworld card or whatever, you yeah. know, Cinema of Your Choice card where it's not really technically costing you any money um, and you've got a little bit of an afternoon free. I think it's an enjoyable, sort of fun way to spend that time, especially if you like superhero movies, because it, it delivers on, on a superhero movie, like... And it is slightly different to, like you say, because it's got that sort of a uh, Latino flavour. Again, not commenting on how, yeah. <laughs> on how authentic it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I, I, I think I enjoyed it more than Rich. We came out of the cinema and I was like sort of a solid sort of three, three and a half out of five, whereas he gave it like a straight up two and a half, right down yeah. the middle, bang average. But yeah, I think it, it was it was definitely better than sweating in my underpants in my house, yeah. which is what I would have done that day. <laughs> If we didn't go to the cinema. Tell you one of the highlights of the film, Susan Sarandon playing a bad person. She went for Rickman, Prince of Thieves. She really I'm did. some fun with this. I'm, I'm the nasty person for once. I'm not in a bloody rom-com with Diane Keaton or something like that. It's, I'm, I'm going to have a nice... I mean, the superhero movie, I'm going to I'm gonna play with it for a little while. That was nice I, to see. I think she's always pretty good value because she always seems to know what she's doing. Like, she, know, she knew what film she was in, so yeah. she didn't deliver anything other than what was needed, which I think, yeah, she, she was really great. And it was quite nice, actually, to see, like, a an older sort of woman villain, yeah. just generally. You don't, you don't get a lot of lady villains, and when you do, they tend to be, like, super sexy. <laughs> well... I think that was the thing with Blue Beetle as well, is they could have done anything because it's not a recognisable DC character unless you, you really care about the comics and you've been mm-hmm. reading it. It's not even a DC character back in the day. If you go all the way back to history, it's something they bought and acquired from another comic book company. So they could have done whatever they wanted with it. And it's kind of slightly disappointing that they just went bang average, bog standard superhero story. Got so much opportunity to do something weird with it. It's an alien beetle symbiote. Yeah. God's sake, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, it was um, it was it was like I don't know enough about that version of Blue Beetle because I uh I was reading comics when that came out and I think I read the first sort of three or four issues and I was like ah it's not for me so I just stopped so I don't really know enough about like Jaime and and that sort of version yeah. um to say whether it was sort of you know true to the comics or whatever but yeah it does seem a bit of a shame because it was very very generic. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. If you watched any more than one superhero over the last 10 years, you knew exactly what was coming. It's like, and then this scene's going to happen. And then there'll be a tragic death in the family and everybody will go, oh, it's really mopey. And then that that tragic death will be the superhero's inspiration for how to mm-hmm. continue. Yeah, we fridged people. We've got a love of, got a love of fridging. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it was a dude this time, so that was slightly yeah. less <laughs> problematic yeah. than usual. But um, yeah, no, it was a fun way to to access air conditioning. Yep. So, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, we we had a load of ice cream as well. Like we were there, and we were pretty much like right because our city world is attached to a Starbucks, so it's like frozen beverages ices ice creams like that's all we're gonna do um <laughs> the second film that we saw in that double which <laughs> i have to tell you a bit of context for this because 
it's me and Rich absolutely adored it. Both of us gave it five stars. Yeah. But if I was going to rate the cinema experience, oh baby, let's give it a one star because because this is a career. This is an A two four studio movie Korean romance film, <laughs> and somebody brought their baby to this movie. Why now? ordinarily i like to try and be really open-minded in like you know some people can't get babysitters and you know they should be allowed to see movies and blah 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 but this couple had brought their baby and their means of entertaining the kid throughout the entire film was to stick it in front of an ipad with the sound on and so the kid was just watching like bluey and hey dougie and all this all sorts of like nonsense and they were sat in the row behind us (laughs) Run, I've never seen a in any other experience. Great watches. Yeah. Go try and do it. Yeah, but not absolutely. in the cinema when there's something else on. Mate, I've never seen Rich look more like he wanted to turn around and punch a child <laughs> in my entire life. He, like, as we were leaving the cinema, he was like, who takes a fucking baby to see past lives? I was like, somebody who really wants to see the film who clearly couldn't get a babysitter. But it's really hard for me to have sympathy for him because they were driving us inside. The mum kept shushing the kid as well, but she didn't shush. She hissed. She went, I'm going to imagine that was not full screening. Because it's an 824K drama, so I can imagine there was maybe some space in that cinema. Oh, yeah, we could have moved. I, in fact, I did suggest no, they it to should have moved. They Oh, should yeah, have. they should. Well, I d- like, as soon as that, because the kid just had no concept of being quiet, which is fair because they seem like they're only about two. Yeah. So, like, I can't blame the kid for not wanting to sit down and shut up in a dark room for two and a half hours or however long the film was. Um, yeah. Like if if I'd have been the parents, I, I, I would have just been like, one of us has to go home with the kids, and the other one can stay and see the film because this is just silly. But yeah, okay. so that it was. Or just do something, just or move, just move, move. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's um, listening. Two rows. Go and sit there. <laughs> but the film itself is a giant recommend from me. Um, it was quite interesting for me actually because I didn't know anything about it at all. This was a film that Rich wanted to see, and I wanted to take advantage of the aircon as we've previously discussed. And so I was like, I'll see whatever the fuck. But you've got my Cineworld card number. Just buy me a ticket. I'll just I'll come. I'll come and see. It, I don't care. So all I knew was that it was an A24 Korean movie. And so because of it being A24, I was actually a bit concerned it was going to be a bit spooky scary or a bit weird. <laughs> so, like, I was kind of waiting for a spooky twist <laughs> the whole time, which was entirely my fault for not knowing anything about the film. The vague plot, so I don't want to spoil it too much, is that two, like, sort of childhood sweethearts get separated because one of their families emigrates to Canada and then they reconnect like 12 years later uh, and it's just about them reconnecting really but it is genuinely one of the most beautiful movies I've seen for a really long time it's directed by Celine Song and it's somehow like somehow they've managed to make it look completely real whilst also absolutely gorgeous stunning (laughs) like I don't know how they've managed uh, that the, the main two stars are Greta Lee and Tao Yu, and they are both truly brilliant. I can't recommend this enough. Now, I am somebody who is not a romance kind of a gal. I like my romance movies to come with like a heaping teaspoon of a different genre. Like um, some of my favourites are like, for example, Scott Pilgrim, which is definitely not really your average romance movie. Or no. The Princess Bride, which is categorically a fantasy comedy. 
um so it's very rare i think there's like three full-on no let's say four because one of them's a trilogy the before trilogy and yeah. when harry met sally are like the only romance movies i actually like <laughs> i think it's, yeah my other half is she is a massive fan of the before trilogy it's one of, oh. one of the birthdays days i got the whole like nice box that they do but a24 are really mixing stuff up at the minute so i think a few years ago they did minery if you call that which was no a fantastic movie korean family moved to mid Midwest USA trying to set up a farm trying to like grow Korean produce. Uh, Stephen Yeun's in it. So, you know, oh, uh, I think he got Oscar nominated for it. If I I love it. But they they're really mixing stuff up. So they had that Talk to Me movie, which was a horror film, but that was by Raka Raka, which were those two YouTubers. It was their first directorial debut film, and their I think their next release is they're re-releasing a Talking Heads live concert documentary from making sense which i'm really looking forward to talking ahead is one of my favorite bands it's kind of it was their ultimate concert apparently so seeing this in a 4k restoration was going to be fantastic and i'm 40 years old myself this year so it's quite (laughs) nice that i'm as same age as this concert I absolutely love the Talking Heads, and you will be very shocked to know that I haven't actually seen Stop Making Sense at all anyway. I know. Uh, and now I'm in the position where I'm like, should I just wait <laughs> until until this remastered version comes out? Because it does look amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, like, I, I need to get out of this mindset that, like, uh, A24 are just for slightly unsettling movies. <laughs> I think because Midsummer was so much their breakthrough movie, and everybody remembers A24 being a big thing as part of that. Yeah, well, it was that, and it was, uh, was it Men that came out last year? Oh, that was not Jesse great. Booker. <laughs> Yeah. I really liked that film, but I think it depends. It, the, the mood, whether or not you like that film sort of entirely hinges upon how you feel about that last half an hour, which yeah. I thought was fucking amazing. But nearly everybody else I know was like, did I accidentally trip balls at the end? <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know. What were you doing during watching this movie? When you had that, you had The Green Knight was that kind of very weird oh, yes. tale thing they did. I think men uh, well everything everywhere all at once that was that's the crowning glory of a24 yeah, but yeah. yeah men was a bit too much how much how many rory Kinnears can you stand within the one film yeah there's the it was certainly unnerving let's put it that way yeah. um <laughs> but yeah past past lives i would wholeheartedly recommend yeah. i won't obviously i won't go too much more into the plot but like everybody is acting their socks off it looks great it sounds great it's just generally like a really sort of mesmerising film. Like you can't. I was really yeah. miffed that I needed a wee halfway through because I've been drinking too many iced beverages, and I was annoyed that I missed like two minutes of the film. <laughs> Sounds very much like it's a K drama version of something like a Wong Kar Wai movie. So if you ever seen Wong Kar Wai, he's done a lot of. There's some fan. You you will love Wong Kar Wai if you love that. So he kind of like does that quite a lot, and there's quite a few films which are very similar kind of sounding plot wise yeah. he's a con director is massive oh there. wonderful yeah so I recommend excellent I've just realised that we've been talking for like half an hour and I haven't really let you uh, say anything yet <laughs> so, so what have you been watching Ryan <laughs> so as a massive geek and nerd and Star Wars is kind of having a bit of a golden revolution on TV about mm-hmm. some ups and downs but um, a recent series, I was a massive fan of Star Wars Rebels, and I watched all the Clone Wars, 
So Ahsoka, who's having her current series running at the time of recording, uh, mm-hmm. she's out at the moment. The TV series is great. I think off, we've we've had a bit of a run. So Mandalorian was like the big breakout. Everybody loved mm-hmm. Mandalorian, and then Book of Boba Fett was pants. And yeah. Obi Wan wasn't too good. It was. It was alright. It was alright. Yeah. And it was they had very tight constraints to work with him, so understandable. Mm. But um, Andor, which I really, it took a while to get into, but I thought the end of Andor was great. Oh, the last two or three of two or three episodes is one of some of my favourite bits of Star Wars. I didn't get that far, and I was really upset about it because Rogue One is my favourite Star Wars movie. And so I was all like, oh, yes, let's get more on this train. And then I think the first episode, well, I fell asleep. And then me and Rich were so bored by it that we didn't even come back to it. Rich only just started watching it just before Ahsoka started because he was like, I should watch all of them. I need to. It it (laughs) really picks up in the second half of the series. It's a little bit Mm. dull for the first half, but the payoff is worth it. Mm. It's a bit unfortunate that it's like that. But um, but kind of great because you've got that side of Star Wars which is the realistic stuff which is the kind of this is the dirt dark gritty Star Wars universe and this is what real life's like and then Ahsoka's gone to that other fantastical side of Star Wars and if you know Dave Filoni who's done all the Clone Wars did quite a lot of work on the Mandalorian and he Rebels and a few other shows that he's worked on he's been in Star Wars for years I think he worked on Avatar the last airbender before he even moved into Star Wars but um, it's kind of it's his love for those characters and Ahsoka something that he's worked on all the way through the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars Revival, Star Wars Rebels, and you can see it's had that singularity continuation of the story. And I always think Star Wars is great when it's looking at adapting things which, well, styles and themes of other people. The thing that always annoyed me about the sequels was it was a Star Wars pastiching Star Wars. But if you think about the original trilogy, it's more of George Lucas is looking at the works of Akira Kurosawa and going, yeah, I'm just going to turn a sci-fi version of that. Dave Filoni seems to have gone more into kind of like Lone Wolf and Cub and that style and taking that really slow manga anime style of stuff and that's what he seems to apply to his work whereas to me the sequels didn't work because it was star wars pretending to be star wars <laughs> yeah but ahsoka's fascinating i'm not going to spoil it quite a lot of the rebel cast turn up if you watch rebels at all you're probably already in love with this but it's kind of set just after i think book of boba fett and all that weird fake luke skywalker it. so all of that's <laughs> out of the way set after that got quite a few characters characters returning from rebels Hugh McGregor's new wife turns up in it. Okay. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she's playing um, Hera Sandula. Like I that. love her. But yeah, but everybody's favourite murder droid is in it, and that's the most important thing because everybody loves Chopper. <laughs> which which one is is that one? Chopper's the little robot off the ghost, so he's the, the astromech, and he's got the highest body okay. count in all of Star Wars, I think. Because I I have so I have a bit of a problem with Star Wars. I've mentioned this before yeah. on the show. My memory is bad, and the issue I have with Star Wars is that literally nothing seems to have come out in any kind of actual chronolo- chronological order. Oh, and and there's also like fifty three thousand characters. Yeah. And on top of that, I've never seen any of the cartoons. I've not read any of the comics. I've not read any of the novels that go alongside stuff. So I've just seen the movies and the Disney Plus TV stuff. And I struggle super hard because I feel like, especially with the Disney Plus TV stuff, 
that a lot of it requires prior knowledge from things that I am in fact not reading or watching and I also Rich was laughing at me about this I also keep getting distracted by David Tennant playing a droid because he did the voice of the Fugitoid in the 2012 CMNT and so I keep thinking about that every time he says any words (laughs) fantastic in it he He played in Star Wars Rebels and he's great in it he makes a great robot he makes yeah. a really great but I love David Tennant like anyway I think he's, he seems like a wonderful dude and he's one of the actors that I will let off with doing voice acting because he's so fucking good at it yeah. uh, like him being Scrooge McDuck was on that chef's kiss yeah. absolutely love that but yeah I do find it marginally distracting because every time I've not, I've not really been watching Ahsoka I've got to admit Rich watches it and I, it's I've been in the room when it's on but I don't yeah. feel like I've got a fucking clue what's happening because yeah. I don't know who half of those people are I don't you know what they're to, doing to, I don't know what yeah. period of, like where in the Star Wars timeline yeah. is this <laughs> like I'm just at a yeah. loss <laughs> it's pre-sequels post the original trilogy which is really confusing because, again, everything's out of order in Star Wars 9. But the best part of Star Wars is making something of its own regard and not relying on the whole Star- Skywalker bullshit. Mm-hmm. It pisses me off. I mean, you, you touched on it. I mean, there's the phenomenon, and you probably heard of the meme called the, the Glup Shito thing, which is basically you need an encyclopedic knowledge of when somebody pops up on the screen sometimes because there's probably been passages and books written about this character and you don't know who he is. You've <laughs> You, you haven't got a bloody clue so like Admiral yes. Thrawn's popping up in this and he's like a massive fan favourite character but he's never been in the main Star Wars stuff so if you've never read the books never watched Star Wars Rebels it's kind of he was in like the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games back in the 90s so he's like yeah. been a fan favourite for like over 30 years but you're not going to know who he is unless you've got prehistory or you watch Star Wars Rebels or you watch something like that yeah that's where I'm gonna struggle I think because and like I say my memory is bad as well so like I mean even just so you're gonna laugh at me so hard for this when we went to see Force Awakens was that the first one of the first one of the Disney trilogy yeah yeah so when we went to see that oh god I can't even remember his character name now the guy who's dead He's like his actor was dead. His his actor was dead, and they had to do like a fake face on him because he was in this. I want to say it was Tarkin, maybe Grand Moff Tarkin. That was Rogue One. That was Rogue One. Was it Rogue One? Okay. Well, like, oh yeah, I just remember seeing that and thinking, now something looks wrong with this person's face, but I don't remember who they are or what what was happening around this character. So I didn't know we hadn't like I didn't know we'd seen him before. So I was just like truly baffled because I'd forgotten what had happened. In the original trilogy and well, stuff, because it's been so goddamn long since we've seen those. Yeah, I think he'd been dead for a good 20, 25 years, so it's not like yeah. you can stick a <laughs> up his arse and bring him back down. I mean, yeah, now I. With Carrie Fisher in the last film, wasn't it? It, it was very much, yeah, this, this isn't great. I struggled with that because it felt like puppeting a corpse and i know that that they you know she'd been involved and blah 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 but it just yeah it made me uncomfortable together footage basically of what we've got left in the cutting room for all that we can sell a tape of corpse together with yeah i don't know whether it's time for me to just drop the disney plus star wars stuff because i think i'm gonna get too confused and i'll just watch the mandalorian hope it doesn't cross over with other things although it does every fucking time like i didn't watch a lot of the book of boba fett because it bored me but then the last two episodes rich was like you need to see this because it's mandalorian related 
Sorry. Yeah, it's kind of it's turning Mandalorian season two and a half halfway through. <laughs> I think they just got bored of Tamora Morrison wandering around saying I'm Boba Fett all the time because that's all he fucking did in that series. What was weird about that was I really enjoyed him and his performance, but it did just seem to me like he was looking, he was mopily looking at sand a lot. Yeah. That's that seemed like the whole the whole series to me. Occasionally he was floating in one of those tubes, what make you healthy? Yeah. And that was it. And I was like, Oh, uh, are we doing anything else today, lads? <laughs> or is this but it? An absolute <laughs> criminal waste of Big Narwen as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I love her. Yeah. She's great as Benny Chan. She did fuck all in that series. <laughs> I'd forgotten she was in it till you just said that, so <laughs> if that's not if that's not a completely raising endorsement of your sentiment there, I don't know yeah. what is. Well, what I would say is, going back to Ahsoka, if you have like Rebels, if you have like Clone Wars, you're going to enjoy this. If you haven't watched that, there's still enough watching. If you want, if you're missing that fantastical Star Wars side, but um, it's yeah, it's kind of annoying now that we've reached that. We've reached what's like Marvel with Disney of you've got to keep on the train, you got to keep watching, you got to keep yeah. watching. Otherwise, as soon as you get off the train, if you skip a couple of movies, you ain't going to know what the hell's going on because everything's yeah, just- connected fully bamboozled <laughs> yeah which is how i spend most of my life if i'm honest <laughs> but it's kind of i think we've reached that point now with superhero movies to go back to the blue people where we've reached that point of people are just not going to be asked anymore we've we've reached that breaking point mm. we've reached the point where like cowboy movies wasn't like the golden era of cowboy movies where we reached that end of People want something different at the cinema, but yeah. past lives, something like that, something different that you're going to bite into and get a hook. And that's why A24 has been so popular is they want to do something different. See, oh, I've had this conversation before because I spouted that oh, I've got that superhero fatigue thing like during COVID. And yeah. then I rewatched like all of the Marvel movies in chronological order. And I was like, actually, like 95 percent of these are fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that I. I do, I, obviously, I want more variety in cinema. Like, yes, please, yeah. that'd be great. But I don't think I'm necessarily tired of superhero movies in the sense that I think I'm more tired of the same superhero movie. Um, yeah. Like you were saying, like Blue Beetle pulled so much from so many other movies that have come before it. And it was so like cookie cutter hero film that, like I say, I couldn't be offended by it because it wasn't bad in any way. Yeah. But it also wasn't like good because it was the same. And I think that's the thing for me. I think that's why I liked, now I know this is a controversial take and not a lot of people agree with me, but this is why I liked Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness because it felt much less like a Marvel movie to me than any of the other recent Marvel movies. And so I was very much drawn to all that like sort of Sam Raimi, scary, silly, campy, pantomime-y coolness. (laughs) I think my problem was it it wasn't the fact it was Sam Raimi directing it was a full-on Sam Raimi movie it just lifted his entire Sam Raimi stick and just shoved it into Doctor Strange which just completely was jarring compared to the rest of the last I appreciate it I like Sam Raimi yeah. but it was basically his deadites but I'm going to call them deadites but yeah no I love that about it <laughs> yeah here's a zombie version it's of Bruce Doctor Campbell Strange. yeah <laughs> It was very much Sam Raimi was like, yeah, I'm going to use every single bit of Sam Raimi-ness in this film. And it just, to me, it, it was a massive culture clash. Oh, I, was see, so I, I loved it. It's because I'd recently rewatched Infinity War and Endgame and Doctor Strange are quite big piece of that. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got the Scarlet Witch and all that bullshit. And it was kind of, 
off the back of WandaVision. You needed to watch WandaVision to explain what the fuck had gone on again. Mm. Going back to that whole you need to keep on the train. And it just it was just a culture clash of Sam Raimi's great, but he's not great doing superhero movies, weirdly. <laughs> my personal opinion. Don't let all those Spidey fans hear you say that. <laughs> Spider-Man 2, great film back in its day. I think it's definitely showing its age now. Oh, we're gonna, I am going to get crucified for this, but yeah. Do you know what? I've said it before, mate. I wasn't that struck on the Spider-Man movies at the time, and I, I don't think they've aged well. No. At all. I watched a couple of them recently, and I'm somebody who's a bit of a Spider-Man 3 apologist. I don't think that film is anywhere near as bad as people make out it is, but I the trilogy as a whole definitely. is not... Yeah, definitely dropped the ball, but I think the trilogy as a whole is nowhere near as good as anybody says. <laughs> 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 Do you know why that is? And I'll, I'll, put, I'll put my cards on the table, guys. I don't think Tobey Maguire... I don't think no. Tobey Maguire is very good. <laughs> I'm he sorry. He was an all right Peter Parker. He wasn't a great Spider-Man. So this is my this is my theory of Spider-Man's now. Mm. Tobey Maguire, great Peter Parker, shit Spider-Man. That's Spidey. Andrew Garfield, great Spider-Man, shit Peter, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Tom Holland, Tom great Hulk, both. Good Ooh. both. Good both. Not as great as the other ones are playing those, but he's a good mid-between. Mm. He's young enough that he can get away with being the young geek spider to a certain extent but andrew garfield had all the spidey stuff around him he had all the quips he had all the fun stuff and he was fantastic as that his peter park was a mopey dick and nobody liked it yeah it was uh i again like i uh, pretending amazing spider-man 2 doesn't exist i genuinely liked amazing spider-man and i thought he yeah. was good in it but i i I concur. I His Peter Parker to me wasn't the kind of nerd that gets bullied for being a nerd. He's the kind of nerd who gets bullied for being a twat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, that's not really what Peter Parker is, is he? But, um, um, it suffers from the whole, I'm 30 odd years old and I'm still going to college in an American school. I love when films are like, please believe that this 30-year-old man is 14, and you're like, uh, I'll, I'll beggeth your pardon. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I'm not even sure how old he was in it, but in, in like, Spider-Man, when, like, Joe Manganiello turns up as Flash Thompson, yeah. and he just looks like, I don't even know how old he was. Then I he thought looks it was like his a, dad when he first turns up in it. He looks like a 45-year-old man. And I don't even think he was that old in it. And I was just like, hold on, who's, who's dad's here? Like, fucking, what's this? He had like uh, a five o'clock shadow as he walked in in his, tight, in his school uniform. Yeah. He's a beautiful man, though. Like, yeah. you know, put him in all the films. I don't mind. <laughs> but Ahsoka. <laughs> yes, but going back to Ahsoka. Yeah, it's, if, if you like that bit of Star Wars and you are mm. still a fan and you like Dave Filoni stuff, there is definitely lots of legwork to do to get there but if you've done that legwork previously it's like you said Clone Wars completely one of those awful things where everything was shot out of order I was actually nerdy enough to go and find that this is the chronological order to watch the episodes in so it could actually go through and like have right this actually happens there and then somebody dies rather than somebody dying in season one and then not reappearing till season five you're like he's dead why the fuck is he back and then they're like going back in time stuff like that but yeah so it's Rosario Dawson's great. I can't remember the name. Lady playing Sabine Wren. She's fantastic. Chopper's everybody's favourite murder droid. And yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, take her or leave her. She's all right as Hera. And, and it's kind oh. of 
Yeah. I usually love her. Like, she was one of my favourite things about Birds of Prey, even though Huntress isn't really given an awful lot of (laughs) character or stuff to do. But uh, she was wonderful. But, yeah, I'm more excited for her in the Scott Pilgrim animated series they're doing on Netflix. I'm excited about that. Yeah. uh, Although, like, part of me is a little sort of bit like, I don't know what it's for, if it's, like, the film already exists and the film is great, and it's all the same people from the film in the anime, so it's, like, it's just going to be, I'm hoping there's going to be more stuff in it than is in the movie. I think they're sticking a lot close to the manga, from what I've heard. Well, not really a manga, comic book, it manga book. But, yeah, they're sticking a lot closer to that than they are to the film, which was a great interpretation, but completely divorced from the comics to a certain extent yeah yeah i am excited for that because i i love a good bit of animation cool (laughs) (laughs) it's nice to have some good animation it's nice Mm. to have some i think we're like we're in kind of this golden period for being a bit of a geek at the moment there's enough tv on there and there's enough stuff getting money that you can go and watch it and like be really happy about it when we're taking a bit of the piss with the whole barbie marvel mattel cinematic universe that they're going to do they've got like 37 movies in production at the moment including one about hot wheels and one about matchbox toys do you know yeah do you know do you know which one pisses me off the one that's going to be Rock'em Sock'em Robots, because, lads, we've had yeah. Real Steel, and that's actually quite a good film. Yeah, like, you, just, you didn't have Hugh Jackman with the two big levers at the back giving a knockout. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that film, folks, but yeah. honestly, it's worth a good, it's a good fun romp yeah. and uh, worth a watch. And, I mean, I'm not usually the world's biggest fan of Hugh Jackman. I think he's very uh, hit and miss, like, take or leave. Uh, but I think that film's really fun. And I don't – I don't I, like, the the thing that bothers me about this, like, Mattelliverse, <laughs> or whatever yes. they're going to call it, is that Barbie did really well for a very specific reason. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't because it was it, based on a toy. It's because yeah. women want films made by and for women, please and thanks. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it frustrates me a little bit that their sort of immediate response to that has been, let's make a fucking – yeah, we're getting a, nonsense we're getting, verse of. <laughs> we're getting a Masters of the Universe movie, and anything's got to be better than the Dolph Lundgren shit fest from the eighties. So I will not have anybody say a bad word about that because I really like that film. Now, it's is it is it perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> is it even technically good? No. But do I really fucking enjoy it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like so much, it's ridiculous how much fun I have with that film. I watched it fairly recently for an episode. I did a, a guest spot on um, "And Why Not" podcast, yeah. and uh, <laughs> he texted me and he was like, "Hey, do, what uh, you know? What sort of like nonsensey eighties film do you want to talk about next?" And I was like, um, "Masters of the Universe, please." I unapologetically think that movie's great. I really wish it was more based on Eternia, obviously. And yeah. I kind of wish that Eternia didn't look like an absolute trash heap. Why yeah. are you even fighting over it? If you've got an interdimensional key, just fuck off somewhere better, lads. Eternia's a shithole. But aside from that, I do, yeah, I quite like that film. But I'm intrigued to see where that where that goes. <laughs> I always <laughs> Courtney Cox is in that film until she turns off and it's like, oh, fuck, it's Courtney Cox from Friends. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? The, the, the thing that annoys me more than anything else in that film is the Gwildor, the little little oh. magic dude who just... Yeah. It, it's the bit where he's eating chicken drumsticks, yeah. and I'm like, oh, nobody needed to see this. This is a, this is like a pig at a trough. I don't, <laughs> like, like, this is a disaster, and it looks awful. Like, nobody needs to... Yeah. Nobody I'm, needs to see that. I'm still trying to work out why the key was not a key, but... Uh, but a keyboard. Yeah. For synthy music fun... 
It was the eighties. You've got to yeah. remember it was like the eighties. Uh, <laughs> I will say Frank Langella's skeletal was fantastic. So good. One of so the best. Yeah. I do like Evil Lynn in it too. I think she's great. Yeah. Think Dolph Lundgren anyway. one of the worst things about that film. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a review of uh, <laughs> Masters of the Universe. Yeah, no, I'm I'm concerned. But we're not concerned because, like, obviously I don't have to see the films and, like, whatever. Yeah. I suppose intrigued is the better word. But I do think, uh, yeah, I, uh, I do think they've taken the wrong message from the success of Barbie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And like how the fuck Magic Eight Ball the movie was gonna work. There were a few that I that I looked at and I just thought I don't. Although to be honest, I wasn't a hundred percent sure how a Barbie movie would work, and that actually is mm. like you know a person like a character who could do things. So yeah, I mean maybe people have got a much better imagination than I have. But yeah, there was a lot of those that I saw the list of them and I was just like a good half of these. You are pushing it. <laughs> Yeah. For, for a movie idea it's like that episode of south park where uh cartman pretends to be a robot that like spurts out adam sandler movie ideas and it feels like that it just feels like somebody's just gone to like an ai and gone you know give me toy idea movie ideas and it's like oh what about i don't know magnets off your freezer and you're yeah sake. it's the hollywood fruit machine and it's <laughs> doing exactly the same thing for all their shitty travel shows Minor celebrity plus random location plus interesting mode of transport. So like goes caravanning in Wales, something yeah. like that. Occasionally, let's throw in their mom for a laugh. Like, yeah, it, it's like Alan Partridge TV. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll be running to the cinema for any of the Mattel Universe <laughs> movies unless it's a really hot day and I want the aircon. I'm quite surprised if they do. I think I'm hoping that this is just script treatments. They've just asked people to submit scripts and then they'll just separate the wheat from the chaff and maybe pick out two or three. Because they've got yeah. such a big fat stack of cash from the back of bar where they're probably like, yeah, we need to get some more money out of people's pockets. Just it's- some of the stuff needs to go in the bin straight away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm sure there was like a Polly Pocket movie, which I'm like, yeah. I mean, if you made that movie for kids, I think it'd probably be fine. I think that was the thing that sort of got me about Barbie is that people seem to think that, like, oh, it's a better toy, it's for kids. And I'm like, mm-mm, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> the line yeah. of that movie, make sure it's not for children yet. <laughs> Absolutely not for children, unless you really want to hammer home some uh, feminist, anti-patriarchy yeah. sentiments to your small children. Yeah. And explain the beat you off joke. Way. I think we massively segue off what we were talking about. We really have. Um, Last line of that is Ryan Gosling's fantastic and he needs an Oscar because he is the most committed I've ever seen any man to a role. Honestly, like I, so Ryan Gosling is another one for me who's a bit weird because prior to Barbie, I don't think I really sort of understood him in anything that I'd seen him in. But then we went to, we went to see Barbie and I thought he was phenomenal. And then, we were, <laughs> Rich and I were going to London to go and see AW All In at Wembley Stadium. And it mm. turns out it was actually cheaper for us to travel, even though the event was on a Sunday. It was actually cheaper for us to travel on the Friday and the Monday and stay several days in a hotel than it was to get trains like on the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> stupid. So <laughs> so we went to, on the Friday and we ended up seeing the um, Blade Runner double bill at the Prince Charles Cinema. And I'd not seen either film on the big screen before. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling is truly me- like absolutely mesmerising in that film. Like so 
fucking good. <laughs> like, like I can't like I can't even say how good he is without swearing because he's genuinely just like fucking hold like taking that movie and running off with it, which is an amazing feat after you've like especially when you watch him in order and you've immediately just seen like Harrison Ford being like fucking charismatic yeah. and fantastic and uh what's his face? Oh god, why have I forgotten everybody's fucking name? He's like the main Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, the main Tears like the rain speech. Replicant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like he's so fucking great as well. So like, I was a bit concerned then that I was like, is twenty is twenty forty nine going to bore me? Am I am I gonna, not going to like this now? Yeah. And then it just like shit me. That film is gorgeous, and, and Gosling is yeah. truly but, phenomenal. Yeah. So Keith from the one of my co-hosts in the Geeky Brewery podcast, he summed it up as Ryan Gosling's two best roles of cinema being him playing a robot and him <laughs> playing a plastic man. And if that's not typecasting, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think that the great thing about him as Ken is that, again, it's like Susan Sarandon in Blue Beetle. He knew what he was going for. Like, oh, he, went, he knew he exactly what the brief was. Yeah. yeah. And he delivered upon... That brief, because as much as I like Simo Liu, I don't think he quite hit the mark as well as Ryan Gosling did at all. I mean, he was still really, he's still really good in it, but uh, but oh, Gosling was. I mean, I actually said to Rich, I was a bit annoyed when I came out of the Barbie movie because I was like, it's fucking feminist as shit, and here I'm going, isn't Ryan Gosling the best? Give him an award, and I'm like, what am I doing? Also, the best in that film is he's so fucking good. (laughs) He's so fucking good. I love Alan. I loved, I loved what's his face from Bryant's uh, appearance. Sugar <laughs> Daddy. Yeah. Sugar Daddy oh. Cat. Why did they ever think? Sometimes you have to look at some toys and think, why did you ever think this was a good idea? Well, that was the part of the joy of it. They went, they went hole in and they went back for the archives and they yeah. brought up the good and the bad and it wasn't sanitised. It was like, here's some weird shit that we did. With. Here's a TV. <laughs> Yeah. I loved I loved the one where they where they brought out Midge and they were like, Yeah, she didn't stay around long because it is weird for a doll to be pregnant for that long. It's very strange. Let's just let's let's just push her to let's not look at her again. It's fine. The best scene with Will Ferrell's in when he like gets to Barbie World and like he turns up and then he sees Midge and he just goes, I had a midge when I was a kid. Um, yeah. I had so many Barbies, it was ridiculous. I used to collect those. They did, like, special ones every year that was, like, the New Year's Barbie in some sort of stupid spangly outfit. I really wish I hadn't got rid of all of them. But I need to talk about Ariana Gleamer, who turns up in a soca because she's the daughter in the Barbie movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, she also played young Gamora in MCU. She did. So she has been in three billion-dollar franchises before Easily. she turned 16. God. And I haven't even got two pence to rub together, and I'm 38 yeah. now. It's like ridiculous. Like, how much stuff have you been in at that age? And you're like smashing it out the park, yeah. Yeah, that's mad. She's she's great. I thought that. I mean, I think I talked about Barbie a bit on the last episode, but the whole film is just yeah. great from start to finish. I watched that again the other day because <laughs> of course I did. There's not enough other films for you to watch, Stace. Jeez, Louise. Even the cameos are amazing in that. Even when John Cena turns up, it's just fantastic. Wonderful with his long hair. John Cena is one of those people who really took me by surprise because I like uh, I am a wrestling fan uh, to an extent. I've, uh, I say I'm a wrestling fan, but I don't like religiously watch it. Uh, yeah. And if things don't take my fancy, I will just switch off and just do something else. <laughs> um, but talking but wrestling, I, we have to watch AEW 
Yes, well, just on the John Cena thing, the thing that tickled me about him as an actor is that having watched him in WWE, he's shit at acting. Because yeah. people think that wrestling is just, you just go out there and you just pretend to have a fight and then you leave. But there's so much other, like, you know, like actual acting stuff where you've got to, like, you know, develop beefs with people and, and yeah. do uh, do your little... Yeah, yeah, you could do all these little bit, and like he's fucking shit at all of them. Every time I watched him, I was like, "You are bad at this." And I also couldn't take him seriously because he used to wrestle in jorts. I'm sorry, mate. Either get a full pair of jeans or go for a proper pair of shorts. I'm not Stop wrestling. Kevin Smith castoffs here. Because John Cena as well is a person who, sort of like Bill Murray, looks has always looked. A particular age and he has done for like 20 years so he's always yeah. looked quite old like with bill murray if you watch yeah. him in ghostbusters he looks about 50 there and he yeah. only started looking his age about five years ago <laughs> like it's, patches he looks about 75 in that and everybody else around him's like john candy's like a young slim young slimmest he's ever been you got everybody else bonkers. and then he's like the old man in the group John Cena's like that. So seeing like a man who looks to be pushing 50 running around in jorts and a backwards cap, I'm sorry, you are a joke to me. But it's just annoying because he's quite a good wrestler. But he was yeah. always really bad at all the acting parts. So when like when it was like, oh, yeah, John Cena's going into movies and stuff, I was like, fuck, fucking hell. Look out, Hollywood. This is going to be a disaster. He did make he, some stinkers at the start, I think. He did make a few stinkers at the start, but I think like... What the the thing that struck me is that his comedic timing is fucking brilliant. Like I didn't expect that from him. Like even a little bit based on all the sort of, you know, sort of acting that he'd done during his wrestling years. You know, even in films where I don't think the film was particularly good. Like I think he was in um that Amy Schumer movie Trainwreck, which wasn't particularly funny, but he was really fucking funny in it. And well, then like Peacemaker, he blew my tiny mind. He's well, so Suicide good. Squad is great in the Suicide Squad, and yeah. then he's got Peacemaker off the back of that. But again, it's like him and uh, Idris Elba were great playing off each other in that. Yeah. If you'd have asked me, though, like six or seven years ago, like, it's probably more than that now, isn't it? Oh, God, I'm showing my age. But like, if you'd have asked me then, like, you know, do you think John Cena will make it in Hollywood? I'd have laughed in your face. I'd be like, absolutely not. Why are you smoking? Yeah. <laughs> Truly probably could say the same about The Rock, because he was an awful when he first started in wrestling. I think sometimes it depends on the like director as well, though, because I think Batista he is mm-hmm. very miss. Uh, I think he's fantastic in that very short bit of 2049, Blade Runner 2049 that he's in. And he's great in the Guardians movies. But, like, those, like... I well, can't he even was think in that those. terrible, what was it, that Day of the Dead, Stupid. not Day of the Dead? Oh, something oh, like that, yeah. The Hollywood Dead movie, uh, the one based in Vegas. It was awful. It was shit. shit. Absolute shit. Like, and I think I think some directors just can't get him to do anything sensible at all, <laughs> which I think is really funny. But yes, talking of wrestling, yeah, I did go to uh, I did go to uh, AEW All In at Wembley, and holy crap! <laughs> like, I was worried about this because I thought it would be. I didn't think they'd fill Wembley. I thought it'd be a bit weird and yeah, airy and shit. Because I've only ever seen. Uh, football or concerts at Wembley. I've never seen a wrestling, and mm. uh, you know, I don't, for, for anybody who doesn't know, like wrestling rings are quite small actually. Yep. <laughs> they're not they're not the biggest focal point to have in the middle of a whacking great stadium. <laughs> so I was a bit concerned that it was going to be really shit. But it was, I think there were it was like eighty one thousand and thirty five people there in the end. It was um, apparently like the biggest 
paid ticketed wrestling event like ever which was truly baffling and it was it was fucking phenomenal um, like the atmosphere there was truly insane i've never heard noise like it. Yeah. all of Did the matches i didn't know because i knew we would be too far back for any for it to um anybody to see it and i figured i don't want to be that cunt who nobody can see behind <laughs> me because i'm holding up a sign that isn't even on the telly um yeah. <laughs> But uh, the the only the only two matches I was a bit sad about. So the the ladies four way was a fucking disaster because AEW made the mistake of thinking that British people are as patriotic as American people, and we are fucking not right. Yeah. So the four way comes out: it's Hikaru Shida, Tony Storm, Britt Baker, and Soraya. And so Soraya comes out British. She comes out. Everyone's booing. Nobody likes her. She ain't very good. <laughs> She wins. It's yeah. crickets. <laughs> Absolute crickets in the stadium. They were like trying to big it. They've got like Union Jacks oh, on British all the screens Union. and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, like, oh, she's pretty. The British person's won. It's like, chirp, chirp, tumbleweed. Because nobody cared. It was yeah. such an unspectacular match. And it was very annoying because I love Hikaru Shida and I love Tony Storm. And yeah. I was really excited to like see them wrestle. And then it was like really short. Nothing particularly interesting happened. And then Soraya won and everyone was disappointed. (laughs) It was like so clear that they thought like the British will really get behind her. And we just all went, nah. (laughs) So is she playing a heel then? Well, I'm not even 100% sure because I... I haven't been following her. So I follow, I sort of follow Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. And Soraya's just like there to me. I haven't been yeah. paying an awful lot of attention but it was just one of those weird ones where it was like all four of those uh, well maybe not Soraya but like <laughs> the other three are genuinely good wrestlers and yet there were there was only like one sort of particularly interesting move and then the rest of it was just very sort of like standard boring yeah like and it was over really fast and then clearly they wanted us to be all over Soraya and nobody cared. There was like a smattering of the handful of polite people who were like, we should, we should clap, shouldn't, shouldn't we? (laughs) 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 Somebody's won, we should probably clap, like that kind of smattering of um, polite applause, which was really sad. And then the other one that didn't really play for me, which was, I was quite sad about, was the the stadium stampede, which was essentially, now I can't remember all the wrestlers that were in this because there was like, 10 of them or some shit but it was the, the main one i was paying attention to was orange cassidy because i fucking adore that guy he's such a good like showman his mm. performances are just absolutely brilliant but the problem with that was on the tv the stadium stampedes always seem really cool because people are doing stuff all over the stadium so they're like they might end up in the car park they might end up at a concession stand like they're in the crowd like doing all this stuff it does not work when you're in the stadium, especially when the stadium is this large, because yeah. there's you can't hear the commentary, so yeah. you don't know what's happening. And if you're not near a particular bit of action, which we absolutely were not, we were nowhere near anybody doing anything in the crowd, we yeah. hadn't got a fucking clue what was happening. There were parts where nothing was happening in the ring, but I couldn't see a single person doing anything. And they were projecting it on the big TVs or anything. They they did, but the camera was only ever focused on like one person doing a thing, so it wasn't like split screening between like this group over there and this group like they do on the telly. It was literally yeah. just like, oh, we're just going to follow this guy for like five minutes. So you yeah. got no idea what was happening with anybody else, and it was just yeah. chaos. <laughs> like I we ended up watching that one on the telly like a couple of days later because I was like, I've missed half of this, man. I have no idea. 
so that one didn't really translate uh, particularly well. But like the rest of the matches, they were all, oh, my God, it was so brilliant. There was like fireworks and fire and people doing things on cars. And like, it was just absolute carnage. I loved it so much. Um, so what was your highlight then? Yeah, seeing Orange Cassidy wrestle at all like really great. The Young Bucks were wonderful. Uh, I think my highlight, though, was probably MJF versus Adam Cole, which was one that's been quite interesting because they've actually been a sort of tag team group for the past like few months. MJF has always been a heel, and yeah. Adam Cole has always been a babyface, and now they're becoming friends, and Adam Cole is trying to, like, nicerise <laughs> yeah. MJF, as it were. And then they had, like, a title match against each other and it was like the the angle that they did it from was genuinely entertaining and both of them like really know how to work a crowd and they're both like very talented wrestlers so yeah if you were going to watch like a fight if you're just going to go and watch a fight for that i wholly recommend that because it was like really great and there was this whole angle of like were they going to do you know underhanded sneaky things while the ref wasn't looking because they're friends now and oh my god (laughs) it was genuinely really really good and uh yeah, had a wonderful time. Highly recommend. In fact, like me and Rich have already decided we're going again next year because they've already announced that they're doing it again. <laughs> so we were like, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I'm massively out of date with wrestling because I was watching it back in the WWF days before it became WWE. <laughs> but I know WCW got bought out by WWE at one point and it's all kind of, it's really convoluted now and there's mm-hmm. Vince McMahon now stepping down as CEO or some weird stuff like that. Yeah, which might actually be good because WWE hasn't been particularly good for a while. And I will say, in its defence, it's not all down to the wrestlers themselves because some of them are genuinely talented, but the writing on the show has been bad. Like, the storylines, like, don't make sense and, like, who's who's a heel and who's a babyface or how they're acting together. Like, it hasn't really yeah. worked. But the main thing that's put me off WWE recently has been their camera work. They've started doing a lot of, like, quick zooms in and out of stuff and you can't actually really see what's happening and i'm like i will get motion sickness watching wwe (laughs) camera work lately so uh, yeah like i am sort of hoping that vince mcmahon disappearing will actually be (laughs) like a really good thing for the company and maybe some good stuff will come of it but we shall see i'd highly recommend watching anything AEW though because i think they're generally quite a lot better at writing and booking and many of the people in it are better at the acting side of it as well. They still need to, they, they have the same problem that WWE have though, in that they still need to get better with their women's division because they've got some really fucking phenomenal women mm-hmm. on, the, on the roster. But then, like I say, like at, at all in, they just farted out like the world's most disappointing four way. <laughs> I'm going to that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just really sad. I was yeah. so excited for that match and then it was just like <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> All yeah. right. Like a balloon deflating in the corner. Um, well, I was always wondering, like, how does a live wrestling event work? Because when you watch it on TV, they said there's so much camera work and the commentary and there's that atmosphere. And around it's great having that live atmosphere where everybody's there, where everybody's engaged, everybody's watching it. But it must be such a different experience to watching it on the telly. Yeah, it's it's for the for the matches where there's they're stand, fairly standard, you know, most of the stuff happens in or slightly around the ring. Yeah. You're fine because it's all on the, the big screen. And so even if you're not sitting particularly close and you get that yeah. atmosphere and it's really great. But like I say, any time that the, the action wandered away from <laughs> or was like in more than one stuff, place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, all of a sudden it was like, well, I don't even what shall I go? I might have a piss. <laughs> this might be my toilet break. <laughs> yeah, going to have a hot dog or something, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but I am already really excited about going to see it again next year. And we, um, because we did like the long weekend there as well on the Saturday, we went to um, Revolution Pro Wrestling Show, and mm. uh, and that was great because that's like a more more indie sort of event like that was one of their bigger events and it was only like 2,000 people so that that's the (laughs) the level of size we're going with here and there was a lot of wrestlers that I'd never even heard of before because I don't really follow like the indie stuff but that that was absolutely great and again we're already booked in for October for that as well because we enjoyed that so much which was at the uh, the Copper Box Arena which was the one that was uh, set up for the 2012 Olympics yeah so that was quite exciting (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, I'm all all about the wrestling now. I don't know half of what I'm talking about. I'm really bad. As I was saying about my memory. Fantastic <laughs> underground and indie scene, which is in mm. the UK especially. Now quite a few people have come into like WWE and AEW via that method of they started out. Just, it said, a couple of hundred people, probably in a ring yeah. in a sports hall somewhere. And that's where they cut their teeth and that's how they've gone mm. through. I've heard it's fantastic. I mean, wrestling yeah, is me nowadays, but I can imagine the attraction is still there. Some of the stuff, some of the moves are like full on like acrobatics, and I'm like, how do you? The fact that people act like, oh, wrestling's it's fake though, eh? so it's not, oh, it doesn't take any time. Oh my god, some of the moves that they do over the head with the fluorescent tube, that's gonna bloody hurt regardless. Well, I was gonna say, and some of the like some of the mad like flips and jumps and stuff they do into each other i'm like how you do that without fully breaking your own or someone else's spine (laughs) it's like it's an insane level of talent so yeah i'm quite excited for october now because we're going to go and see rev pro again i forgot there was a particular reason for it because we got excited by somebody but i've already forgotten who that was (laughs) i've slept since then i've had a really long couple of months doing loads of things and all my brains just fell out my ears but anyway, we've been talking for a really long time. Was there anything else that you wanted to have a chat about before we uh, do our little song recommendations? I am going to do a terrible quick little plug, which it yeah. is. We're doing Birmingham Anime Film Festival, so we partnered up with The Mockingbird and The Mac. So it's kind of the first time that Geeky Brummy has moved out of podcast lives to help run a film festival. So I've been really greedy. I think I've chosen most of the schedule myself, but we're having like... We're having a Ghibli day, so we're doing like Hayao Miyazaki's big hits, so it goes Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, Kiki's Delivery Service, and Hal's Moving Castle, so like the four big Ghibli films. Uh, we're doing the Makoto Shinkai day, who I really like and really rate, and he's almost the new Hayao Miyazaki, if that's not controversial. But we do, so it's pretty much going through his entire back catalogue, so going from The Place Promised in his early days, Garden of Words, Five Centimetres Per Second, Weathering With You, Your Name, which is his big breakout hit, and then finishing with Suzume, which had finished its cinema run, I think it was early uh, this year in the UK, so it's still mm-hmm. not available on home video, so it's really can't sketch it. But uh, one of my all-time favourite things as well is we've got an advanced screening a week ahead for two films. One is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. which is the weird mech anime which broke everybody's mind (laughs) good 20 years ago so as soon as they finished that version they rebuilt it from the start so it's taken decades to get this done but this is the final part of the rebuild and Hideki Anu who you might know from Shin Godzilla has done Shin Kamen Rima it's part of his Shin universe even though it's Evangelion but this is his final it's like I am done with Evangelion I am never going back this is his final final film and we've got a week advance preview on that before it goes on general release nice. so really happy about that we've also got a re-release oh well no sorry we've got the fir- one of the first ever UK releases of Macross Plus Ooh. so 
back in the day, another big mecha anime back in the day, but it never got released in the UK due to rights issues. So it's the first time ever on screens in the UK that's been shown. And we're a week ahead of most of the other screeners. I think there's another concurrent screening at the same time, but we're looking enough to have an advanced screening really on that. Some great Satoshi Kon stuff. So we've got Perfect Blue, we've got Millennium Actress, we've got some really weird stuff and stuff that you'll never see ever again, probably. Cyber City Oedo 808, which is like a 90s classic. Dear King, Mirai. Sorry, I'm just listing films now and not really explaining them. But uh, Night Short, Walk On Girl, which is a fantastic kind of weird anime if you watch not watch that. Loads of stuff. It's all at BAFF.UK, but it's all kind of coming out roughly around the time this is coming out hopefully so i've been trying to make it my mission to see more anime movies because i went through a phase of absolutely like when i was studying japanese just absolutely fully being a proper like weebo wank face i want to go to japan and i love it and yet for some reason the only uh anime that i watched during that period was the series and the movie of the vision of escaflone which very few people have ever even heard of and they go what in the fuck are you talking about and i say look i watched the really shit english dubbed version on fox kids all right leave me alone (laughs) i loved it shut your mouth uh, <laughs> if that's ever on the big screen, you have to tell me because I will a thousand percent go and see Escaflona on the big screen and lose my tiny yeah. mind. <laughs> Done the bigger hits for this first one to try and get yeah. people engaged, but as you said, anime is fantastic and nine of need watching it. Some of the best cinema in the world is coming out of Japanese anime studios at the moment, and it's not. It's yeah, if you haven't seen it. So, for example, Perfect Blue, there is scenes in that which entirely got ripped off in Requiem for a Dream and quite and Black Swan. So if you've not seen those, yeah, you can see I fully so I uh do another podcast. <laughs> Imagine that me with it, me with another podcast, shocker. Yeah. Called Never Seen. And uh we did a full episode on your name and a full episode fairly recently on Perfect Blue because I was like, it is shocking to me that neither of you have seen that my other two co hosts had not seen either of those films. And your name is genuinely one of my favourite movies of all time. It's quite apart from the fact that the story is phenomenal. It's genuinely one of the most beautiful things I've ever looked at. <laughs> like the animation is so fucking stupidly gorgeous. Um, yeah. So if you are in or around Birmingham when your name is showing, I would a thousand percent recommend people go and see that because it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty good. Um, yeah. All my Makoto Shinko stuff. It, he's one of my favourite directors at the moment, and he always, yeah, the art style is just absolutely beautiful. Five centimetres per second is one of my favourite ever little anime films. It's only short, which is why we partnered it with Gardeners, Garden of Words, so like they work really nicely as a short double bill. But it is equally as beautiful and heartbreaking in equal measures. So it's one of those films where you come out almost crying from the back of it. It's that beautiful, but at the same time, it looks amazing on the screen. Excellent. What was the website again, just to make sure everybody uh, got it? It's bath.uk, B-A-F-F. So how Northerners talk about going bathing, bath.uk. Excellent. Hey, would you like to recommend a lovely little song for the listeners to, to plop in their ears when they're finished listening to this? Yes. So I've gone with a slightly curveball choice. That seems to be the thing that I yeah. do when I turn off on your podcast now is I pick a slightly curveball musical choice. Slightly. I've gone with uh, Mariachi El Bronx as the artist uh, they do some fantastic music so if you don't know who El Bronx are they are a punk band from California 
they got asked to do some unplug sessions, and instead of doing a standard unplug session, they decided to make it as a mariachi band. Of course, so they did. Sounded completely insane. Uh, but the song I picked is Cellmates by Mariachi Bronx. So if you want punk songs with a mariachi flavour, which I think everybody needs in their lives, go and listen to this band. It is completely insane that a punk band decided to go and do mariachi style music, but it actually works and I quite like it. I mean, you had a little, have you had a little bit of a listen? I did have a little listen earlier and I truly was baffled by your decision making because I was like, this was a thousand percent, not even close to what I was expecting you to pick. I don't know where this came from. What has happened? (laughs) (laughs) But it's great though. I mean, it it is if you like mariachi music. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which uh, I'm not 100% sure I do, but... um... (laughs) But it's mariachi, so therefore it's allowed. Well, you say that, though, but to me that's like going, yeah, but Scar's like, you know, trumpet reggae. You've got to love it. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. I don't. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) It's an ongoing point of contention in our family household because Rich is like, you like punk music. You like instrumental stuff with trumpets and that. You don't mind reggae. Like, what's your problem with Scar? And I'm like, all of it together is shit, is what it is. But anyway, that's a... Put mariachi trumpet in it. And this is punk mariachi, so... Yeah, see, it's it's losing me. Give it a try. I'll uh, I'll let the listeners decide. Let us know if you think uh if you if you think it works. (laughs) Now I picked a song. Uh, If you thought I was going to go through a full episode without bringing up the turtles again, um, you would be fully wrong. Since seeing Mutant Mayhem, have been almost exclusively listening to either the soundtrack or the score because both are very good. The soundtrack is probably about 80 percent 90s hip-hop <laughs> yeah oh honestly the soundtrack's fucking great there's like a, a smattering of other songs in there but largely it's all like yeah it's so good like no diggities on there and stuff which is an absolute tune but so there's one particular song that i chose which is called wake up in the sky which is by gucci main featuring bruno mars and kodak black and this is the needle drop for when Superfly first appears properly in the movie. And it's a combination of it being a genuinely good song and a genuinely good needle drop. <laughs> that uh, I yeah, can't stop listening to this song now. I think it's brilliant. I wouldn't have picked this for you normally. I don't, <laughs> Gucci Mane is not something I would put together with stakes, but... I don't think I've ever listened to a Gucci Mane song before in my life. Yeah. Um, but literally, like this, the, the the bit where this drops in the film, I was like, okay, this is like fully, fully perfect. And yeah. then, yeah, like I say, I haven't stopped listening to the set. It was either going to be between this and No Diggity, but I thought that was too, too commercial of a choice. <laughs> so I went with this one. So, yeah, uh, both of those tracks will be on the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour, Spotify recommendations, yeah. playlist thing. If you want to have a little listen, yeah. Hey, that was episode. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you look, if you put that, if you put that playlist on random, it is truly an experience because it's literally like my music taste is fairly eclectic and a little bit doolally as it is. But then it's like, oh, I have a different guest like every nearly every month so yeah. somebody just bring in their random <laughs> decisions <laughs> to my show so like yeah if you listen to it you just feel like what is truly what is happening <laughs> which uh 
which is quite a fun experience sometimes and how you get to learn that you like new things one of my favorite things is sharing music with people because i love it when people like the same things i do and yeah. uh, get over excited by the same things i get over excited by yeah. um i can't see that really happening with gucci Mane, but i don't care it's my show i'll pick what i want <laughs> Ooh, yeah. the whole point of having a podcast you'll have to stay doing what you want exactly and on that note, I think that was episode 144 in the fucking can, baby. Get in. Ryan, my darling, would you like to let people know where to find you on Tinternet should they wish to find yes. you? Yeah, if you want a slightly less sorry version of me, I'm usually on the Geeky Premier podcast. So that's Geeky Premier on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, possibly Blue Sky because Twitter's turned into <laughs> a massive bin fire at the minute. So we might be jumping chip off there at some point soon. But geekybremier.com, so every week, on a Wednesday, Keith does his roundup of the finest comic selections and he picks some really good indie stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Friday, well, most Fridays, I should say, nearly every Friday, Lee puts out his gaming roundup. Again, fantastic gaming picks. Uh, again, we try to highlight the indie titles more than the bog standard art. Baldur's Gate 3 out this week, lads, go buy that. Or yeah. it's Starfield this week, go buy that. Or it's Modern Warfare, nobody cares. But yeah. <laughs> So all that stuff. And then we do a monthly kind of podcast ourselves. What kind of podcast also on YouTube and associated stuff and a film festival we're doing. And a film festival. Yeah, you're not um, you, you, you're not making your life easy at the moment, are you? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't do straightforward. I think we'll learn this by now. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to need to update. I've just realised I'm going to need to update my waffle that covers the outro music to my podcast because it's like oh follow me on twitter which isn't called twitter anymore and also i am gonna be (laughs) still twitter to me but i am actually gonna be leaving it if the rumors about them monetizing it for everybody come true because i'm not fucking paying for it you're not getting my money you can't um so Yeah. yeah like like you can find me pretty much oh god i'm on hive i'm on blue sky i'm on threads i'm on what was the other one i don't know instagram facebook all at stacy's parlor yep. <laughs> you can find me somewhere on the internet i keep forgetting to use like threads and hive and blue sky because i default to just go into twitter and i can't be asked to post the same thing four times across four different sites yeah. i think as soon as twitter becomes paid for i'm not going to use it anymore because that must man I'm not giving that must man any of my money. No. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck that for a bunch <laughs> of bananas. So yeah, maybe I'll update that at some point, but that's where you can find me. Stacey's parlor pretty much everywhere. Mm. Thank you for joining me again, Ryan. It's been an absolute mm-hmm. pleasure, as per usual. And uh, lovely listeners, have an excellent rest of September. Try to avoid the big chunky house spiders that keep coming in and terrorising me during this season. Why it happens around my birthday? That's it, fucking cruel. That's really cruel. Damp and horrible, so they're all like, "Let's get in the house, lads." Anyway, let's stop yeah. talking about them because I'm going to get itchy. <laughs> And I've got a cheesecake that's calling my name. I can hear it now, calling me from the fridge. So on that lovely note, listeners, have a great one. Ryan, thank you again. And I'll see you all next month. Toodaloo. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour. Send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. 
If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah! <laughs>